the Triathlon Show 285. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and on today's episode, I interview coach Blair Cartmel. Blair is a Scottish triathlon coach who works as a junior national coach with British Triathlon, in addition to running his own coaching business, New Triathlon. Blair has previously been coaching with the Scottish Federation as well at the Home Commonwealth Games, for example, and coaching with the Stirling University Performance Centre. He is also the personal coach of up-and-coming long-distance star George Goodwin, who recently had what you might call a breakthrough performance when he placed third at the PTO championships in daytona in 2020 uh, we'll get into blair's coaching philosophy and much much more uh, in just a little bit but before that big thanks to our sponsors first we have precision hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com precision hydration create electrolytes that you can match to how much sodium you lose in your sweat so somebody who loses a lot of sodium in their sweat would take a more concentrated supplement than somebody who does not lose as much and that is very easy to find out with the help of precision hydration's online sweat test i have used precision hydration electrolytes for years and i really love them uh, in addition to really working in terms of uh, avoiding things like cramps and performance degradation as uh, the day goes on whether we're talking longer races or training sessions uh, it also just tastes really nice so, so it's really a nice way to get your hydration in you can get 15% off your precision hydration order with the promo code that triathlon show one five and thank you to roca that you can find on roca.com roca are the world leading manufacturers of wetsuits dry suits swimskins goggles high performance eyewear and prescription glasses and sunglasses I use a large number of Roka products uh, all the way from their Rory prescription glasses to products like the Maverick X2 wetsuit and uh, the Gen 2 Elite tri-suit and much, much, much in between. And one common denominator of all of these products is that the user experience I've had with all of Roka's products has always been fantastic. Again, I've been using Roka products for years and uh, the attention to detail and to top-notch quality in all of these products are uh, absolutely fantastic so i can highly highly recommend them you can get 20 percent off your roca order with the promo code that you can get on roca.com forward slash tts one more quick thing before the interview if you are a long time listener of the podcast and you are enjoying it it would really help a ton if you could take a moment to rate and review the podcast wherever you get it where it's possible to rate and review for example apple podcasts or itunes uh, or wherever else you might find it now, without any further ado, let's get into the interview with Coach Blair Cartmel. Today's guest on that Triathlon Show is Blair Cartmel. Blair, welcome. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Michael. Um, how are you? I'm uh, good as well. Thank you very much. Uh, why don't you start by just giving an introduction to yourself so that the listeners can learn more about what you're doing and uh, where you come from, what your background is in the sport? Yeah, thanks for that. Um, so obviously, um, I'm originally from Scotland. Um, I'm 35, and I've been around in the sport for for quite a while now. Um, during my own years of being an athlete, I was a swimmer uh, growing up, um, and then went into triathlon. I did my first triathlon in 2000, and then went to to university uh, in Stirling, which was the national performance centre, and it still is. Um, and I was lucky enough to be have my first proper coach was was Darren Smith, who was the the, the national coach at the time. Um, he had started in two thousand, so um, yeah, I did my my uh, my studies and finished in in two thousand and seven, and then went straight into coaching. There was a position, an apprentice coach position, um, based at Sterling, and I took that, and that's for two years. Uh, working with Triathlon Scotland and the university in Stirling. Um, and then after that, got a full-time job in, in 2009 uh, with the Federation in Scotland um, and was there until until 2016. And, and during that time, you know, lucky enough and fortunate enough to work with a, a great group of, of, of junior junior athletes, junior boys, 
who progressed through the ranks and, and went on to win uh, major medals at, at World Juniors and World Europeans. Um, and that was uh, Mark Austin and, and Grant Sheldon. Um, I also coached at the 2014 uh, Commonwealth Games in Glasgow, which was, which was a great experience. Um, as I said, I left Scotland in end of 2016. I took a break from performance sport for uh, maybe two years, um, performance coaching. And then in 2019, a position came uh, back in performance coaching back in, in Bath, where, where I am now at the university and the centre. So, and I've been there, well, since the start of 2019. And I've recently just uh, started a new job with British Triathlon, where I'm one of um, three New England lead coaches working with the junior program. Um, so yeah, quite varied. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's a really great uh, overview. One thing to point out for those listeners not aware, Darren Smith that you mentioned there as being your coach back in the day at Sterling is one of the legendary uh, coaches in ITU. Has coached a lot of uh, really high profile athletes through the years. And uh, another thing that I wanted to ask you is uh, so in. British triathlon, we we are quite familiar with like Leeds as a performance center, and uh, Loughborough University has a really big setup as well. Uh, how is uh, Bath kind of related to to those other centers? What what is the setup there with with the different performance centers that British triathlon has? Yeah, no, it's a good question, and obviously throughout the UK there is different center hubs based around universities, and, and Bath is one of those. Um, performance centers and, and we obviously have uh, Vicky Holland who, who trains here, um, you know, a Rio Olympic bronze medalist and world champion. Um, and her husband Reese is the head coach of the center. Uh, and I was the assistant coach up until recently. Um, so yeah, um, and obviously based around a university, we try and attract, um, obviously athletes to come and, and study and train. Um, uh, and obviously, there's other centres around the UK as well, so it's a, it's a it's a good setup. How, how many centres uh, of that sort of around the universities exist in total? Well, at different levels. So we have obviously Loughborough and Leeds as the main ones. Uh, Stirling in Scotland, we've got Cardiff in Wales, obviously Bath. We've then got other centres um, in Nottingham, uh, based at the university, Eastbourne, um, Birmingham. Um, uh, they're, they're kind of the, the main ones. So. It, athletes have got more choice now of where to go which is which is good yeah all right perfect so let's move into a, a bit of an overview of your coaching and training uh philosophy or your thoughts around around coaching and training uh can can you elaborate on that just uh freely what what do you think in general terms and uh, what are the things when you fr- perhaps sit down and meet an athlete and they ask you about what you think about training what are the things that you would describe yeah, I think for, for me as a coach, um, I, I try and keep things as simple as possible. So do the basics very well. Um, and I think, um, it's, it's about, for me as well, it's about, uh, over creating, creating memories for, for the athletes, um, using, using the, the environment you have, um, to the best of your ability and, and to, to, to try and do, um, well, almost make training as play. We have this phrase uh, in the UK is to, to, to make things as as, a, as enjoyable as possible. Um, and at the end of the day, it's about you know developing people. We're in the people business, so um, you know that for me is is, is really important. And, and obviously, um, keeping athletes engaged for, for the long for the for the long haul. It's not just about um, if they don't make it at seventeen, eighteen, they, they drop out. It's about developing athletes into into senior athletes and and, and ultimately do, doing sport for life in terms of i suppose my own kind of coaching uh, philosophy i would say i'm i'm quite based on feel um and and that doesn't work for for every athlete um but that's just the way i, I suppose i've been brought up um we i use data to inform um but it's not i'm not a slave to the to the data um so to speak so it's it's using what i think is is the right amount um and and going with that and 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 providing um you know good training um i think for me as well i'm quite uh, i suppose traditional kind of polarized approach to training so it's um quite a lot of volume aerobic work develop the engine um and but ultimately it's about um training to the demands of the event so 
you know that depends on on what athletes uh, what athletes need and, and understanding your athletes physiology so um it's yeah it's it's about um doing the right thing and i'm quite um i wouldn't say i'm you know ridiculously fixed in one approach that's it's um been quite fluid um with with different with different athletes um but ultimately it is about training um a little bit by feel uh, and um yeah obviously testing when when we need to and when we can but um but but ultimately it's um yeah keep things keep things simple and consistent for me it's about how can you string together as many weeks as possible um without kind of breaking down uh, and i'm sure we'll get into that in terms of you know decision making and when 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 do we need to back off um but yeah trying to trying to piece that all together yeah uh that's that's great and a couple of follow-ups on that first of all i realized that we we didn't mention in the intro but you're also the coach of uh, george goodwin who has uh, more recently uh, moved to long distance and has had some success already there so you're not just on the itu short course as seen and uh, that's where a comment like uh, preparing for the demands of the event becomes important because you do you do both styles of, of racing or coaching i should say and uh, and then another thing that i want to follow up on is when you say that you're field-based when you prescribe workouts for athletes does that mean that you generally adjust prescribe in terms of a verbal cue like easy or moderate or hard or or how how do you prescribe workouts yeah i think it's um and it can change maybe that can frustrate people but it's yeah ultimately it's about verbalizing and and ultimately knowing the athlete and where so i will prescribe athletes um you know uh, in terms of paces or watts or whatever but that's based on knowing the athlete and and knowing kind of the ranges they should be in and, and they they should know that as well so it's about the athlete understanding themselves um so it sometimes takes time um but it's um yeah trying to keep things uh you know as simple as 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 possible really and um and and just doing the work yeah and another thing you mentioned was creating memories and using the environment so can you elaborate a bit on that Uh, what is it that you that you mean by that i think um for me i I was lucky enough in my time in scotland I, i worked alongside um, the head coach at the time when I was the assistant, uh, Chris Volley, for example, and we both had similar philosophies and we loved the outdoors. And so for us, when we were organizing camps, whether it was camps in, in Scotland um, or even when we we're on camp in, in Spain, for example, we would just try and do different things, things that would the athletes would remember um, and things that you have stories to tell afterwards. So it could be whether it's in Scotland and, and, and it's a camp and um you know it's, it's horrendous weather and but you still get out and, and get the sessions done or it's climbing up uh, running up a mountain with a each athlete has to carry a, a wheel and then at the top they have to change the tube it's just things like that that it creates um it's different um but it also it's 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 um applicable to that kind of age group and, and skill development and um and the same with uh, you know if you're on camp in spain uh, i remember one one time we um we had a mini four-day break. We used to be based a lot in Aguilas, um, and we'd go down. We, we actually did one time. We had four days break. We went down to Granada. Um, we stayed at the bottom of the Sierra Nevada ski station road, and um, one day we said, "Right, we want to go up to the to the center, the ski the ski resort." This was in January, um, and, and two of the kids went skiing for the day. Um, and this is in the middle of a of a training camp, so it's not maybe that traditional but it's um uh, and for us the other two or three athletes we hired snowshoes and went snowshoeing um so it's you know it creates those memories and and it's still applicable it's still good training um and and the athletes enjoy it so that's the main thing yeah yeah perfect and uh, then let's get into something uh, that we discussed in our email conversation before that would be a good topic, and that is consistency. And uh, it's something that we all know is important, and basically every single guest on the podcast will mention consistency at least once. But, but I thought it would be good to discuss a bit more how one can actually achieve uh, consistency. And you have discussed a few ways that you, uh, that you do that. So, so what would... Yeah, what would your thoughts be around achieving consistency? 
Well, I think for me, it's about athletes. Um, it comes back to athlete decision making. So it's about athletes being able to, I suppose, make the right decisions. And this takes time. Uh, and you wouldn't expect a developing junior athlete to, they're going to make mistakes. And that's, I suppose, how you achieve that long term consistency is by making mistakes uh, and learning from them. If you don't learn from them, then you're just going to carry on making those mistakes. So we've all seen the athletes who, who turn up uh, to a training session. And they don't tell you they've got a sore throat, um, but they just crack on um, because they, they think they have to do the session. Um, whereas the smart decision would be to, well, no, I've woken up, I'm feeling a bit uh, under the weather. And I just, I, I either do an easy aerobic day, not the hard session that's planned. Um, so that, that develops over time. Um, so it's about athletes making smart decisions and being able to know uh, even if they're, even if they're in a session and they just feel that no, I just need to back off a little bit, and sometimes it's very hard to do that in a group environment because you know there's egos. They want to show what they've got um, up against maybe their training partners, but it's getting to that stage where athletes are comfortable within each other. They know, oh no, I can just I don't need to do that final two reps, um, and and that takes time. It takes education from from the coaches and. and um, and dialogue between between everyone, um, and it takes confidence to do that. Not everyone can do that. How how do you, as a coach, uh, help your athletes develop that decision making ability? I think it's just about if 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 and when, because it will happen. Athletes will make those mistakes. It's about sitting down um, or going for a walk um, and just just chatting about it and asking them, well, what what was your thought process? Um, to make that decision to, to to come to that session when you were you probably know deep down that you probably shouldn't come to it, um, and it also comes back to the point of well you know you could be you could be um, uh, you know you could infect the rest of the group for example so it's about um, being 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 aware of the group needs as well so um, and look and most of the athletes they, they, you know they, they, they you know they, they'll, they'll get it um, but it's it just takes a bit of time and, and maturity as well. Um, and as, as, as I said, just that that belief and the confidence that they, they're making the right call, um, because as you know, and we all know as coaches, athletes they want to just keep pushing, um, but it's how you bring that back. Yeah, yeah, and, and on that note, you mentioned there that maybe on a given day, an athlete doesn't have to do those last two reps, or maybe they don't have to push themselves to go just as hard as their training partner if they're having a bit of an off day. So those would fall into, I guess, intensity management. And uh, that is something that, especially for young, young athletes, I think is, is, is definitely a, a challenge uh, to to get young athletes to, to do that right. But but I think it also applies to, to age groupers. What are your thoughts around just generally managing intensity and, and also how that plays into consistency? Yeah, I think coming back yeah to the, the intensity things an interesting thing because we also a lot of us deem or most of us deem maybe successful sessions by how hard they are or how fast they are and and, and actually I I especially maybe with age groupers as well who maybe are doing Ironmans or, or 70.3s when it comes to the run for most of them they're not running that fast um, so I'm not saying you have to just run slow in training but it's it's actually being realistic and just training to, to the demands of your event and, and ultimately just um, get strong. So remembering that, uh, I think coming back to, to, to faster junior athletes and, and developing ITU athletes, it's about, I still see, and I was probably part of that, um, made the mistakes of, of trying to push too hard maybe or athletes getting thinking faster is better. When actually, maybe you look eventually at the you know I call the extension rule. You extend the period of how long they can go at a given pace, rather than just thinking, "Well, I can do you know five by a k at you know two fifty. Um, whereas actually, can you do can you actually do five k at three minutes um, in one go? Um, and ultimately, again, you, when when athletes are running ten k off the bike, how many are actually running? Not many are running sub thirty. So. Obviously, the aspiration is still to run that quick, but in reality, um, you know, a lot of people train maybe, maybe too fast. So it's about, you know, that's probably another one of my philosophies is, is or, or, or training thoughts is about strength and, and back end strength, and, and I suppose how you pace things as well. 
So, um, yeah, managing intensity is a, it does, it, it, it's about trying to educate the athletes of, of why you're telling them to do that uh, and getting them to understand it and make the right calls. Um, but also as well, I think a lot of us get into this trap of, you know, you have to go to the well every hard session, every Tuesday track. You know, maybe you don't have you don't have to do that every week. It's about maybe I've got more and more into that point of athletes finish a session knowing they can do more and um, and be content with that. It's not have to finish every session lying on the track face down. So again, it just comes back to education and and trust in in what you're trying to do in the longer term. Yeah, no, those points really resonate with me as well. And I remember specifically somebody like Joel Filial has talked a lot about that and how very rarely do they run, if if ever, <laughs> to do they run faster in race pacing training because the, the issue isn't being able to run your 5x1K at whatever pace they want to be running at, but being able to run 10K off the bike and having the strength to do it at, at the pace that is required to, to win the race. And that is not very fast when you break it down into one case for the calibre athletes that that he's coaching for example so uh, yeah extending as you say uh, rather than intensifying is often and often a good good way of go- going about it yeah and also doing sessions when you're tired and and uh, that's really important because ultimately you're running you're running off the bike fatigued so it's getting used to that and and, and getting used to that feeling of you know fighting through those sensations so um yeah i think it's that's a really important aspect of our sport Uh, how much do you use uh and specifically for the run i think and and for itu i think this is an interesting topic to me always the track is a very commonly used tool because obviously it gives you a sense of complete control and like you know it exactly to the second how fast you're running or your reps but the race is run on the road and uh, and it's run as you said when when tired and and it's a strength uh discipline it's not it's not a speed discipline as we have discussed already so so what's your thought on, on using the track and, and are there some other types of workouts that you use to prepare athletes for the run that is uh, going to be a 10k off the bike and not a fresh mile or something that some mm-hmm. track sessions seem to be preparing athletes for yeah i it's a good question and i to be honest i'm not a huge fan of the track um i've used it in the past a lot probably more because athletes wanted to do that or they felt that's what they needed to do so almost to a point where as a coach you think well i kind of have to follow that or that's what other people do but i've never been maybe because i was never a, a track runner myself or i never enjoyed running on the track myself i didn't find that very inspirational i get the the, the feeling it's is, there is a good sensation of at, you know a group of athletes running fast around the track and it, it, it looks good but ultimately it can be quite soul destroying and as you said athletes determine a good session of because they're just getting 400 meter splits or, or 800 meter splits i've actually in the past with some some athletes when we've been doing track workouts because some athletes might be so obsessed with just looking at the watch or looking um at splits i would get them to run with no watch and just run on again feel um and then i might give them the splits afterwards but it's but you're right yeah, athletes don't in a race they race against other you know competitors it's about that competitive um tactical element not just running around because uh, lots of athletes can run quick on a track but um, i've actually seen athletes um quite interestingly on, on a training camp other other coaches do set up dead turns on track workouts i've never seen that before actually so a bit more specific to triathlon racing and um, but coming back to your question i think for me i quite like setting up whether it's um courses on the road um or on the gravel um just away um so that's, historically that would be kind of our saturday session um that kind of um strength-based session but even a tuesday session if we weren't on the track um yeah it'd be be road reps or um yeah grass um so but yeah also with specific demands of dead turns because that's that's something that's at itu level is really really important um so yeah 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 and and then coming back to uh the consistency topic once more you mentioned earlier that uh you like to see athletes athletes be able to just crank out week after week uh without overdoing it but but doing a, a big amount of aerobic work and uh how so so by that i kind of infer that maybe you, you're not a fan of things like you know 
two week on one week off three weeks on one week off patterns is that correct or do you apply those sort of patterns as well what's your thought on that yeah i think it's a funny it's an interesting one and it's an interesting topic because every coach or people have got different uh, viewpoints um for me personally i do quite just like the, the fact of, of trying to be consistent for and almost not setting a for some athletes not setting a right this block we're, we're going to take a rest after three weeks for example um religiously that some people do that i find say say you take a week not a week off but a week easier it can be quite a long time um and, and athletes can get quite maybe some stale um uh, so you know ultimately it's about taking um what, what an easy day so uh, there wouldn't be a rest day completely in in the week it would be an easy day so just say it's a friday it would just be a, an easy easy spin easy run maybe an easy easy swim maybe um for for other for for planning longer blocks for some athletes it would be like okay well looking into the future um and this would be based maybe not less around races because when we've got in race season that almost creates your natural um well you're going from this race to the next race whereas if you're in a bigger maybe winter block or early season block then it's like okay you, you ask the athlete where do you think you need um to pencil in, in the future whether it's a three-day down down block of, of training and for some athletes that might be um because some athletes you tell them to take three easier days and they hate it whereas some athletes you've got to know what makes them tick so Uh, you know some of our athletes in scotland you know three days might be three days away in the mountains it's it's away from training but it's still it, it ticks their box because it's fun um they're in the fresh air they're not just sitting on the sofa feeling like oh I just i'm bored um so it's uh, so you plan that in and obviously you would see the athletes and you'd be able to make these changes if it needs to happen earlier for example so that's where it comes back down to athletes being able to make smart decisions and know how they feel and not just and uh, not being soft so not just not not that athletes would be to just to, to get some downtime earlier but it's about okay how can i in the long run to get the, the most out of uh the block i might need to take the we planned it you know, in three weeks time, but I need to actually take these days a bit easier now and then we crack on again. So it's, it's been quite fluid with the plan. It's not been rigid. Um, uh, and that takes trust on both sides. Um, and, and, and obviously, um, over time it, it gets better because, um, what athletes get to know themselves more. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And, uh, You you mentioned there when when you get into racing, uh, then it sort of takes care of itself with the periodization, and uh, that's that is true when we're talking about the kind of short course athletes that you're coaching. However, for many age group athletes, which you also coach, uh, that might not be the case. Maybe many age group athletes might have a couple of races per year. Uh, that being said, what's your thought on how important it is for an athlete's development whether we're talking about uh short course uh, budding elite athletes or or age group athletes to just put themselves on the start line and and just a race and gain experience from racing and learning that way uh, yeah. do you have any views on that yeah i for me personally ultimately we're we do sport well we train to compete and hopefully get the best out of yourself um And obviously, we've all we all know we've all seen athletes who are racers and, and who are maybe better trainers uh, across all spectrums of from elite to, to age group. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just it's just not afraid to be putting yourself um, on a start line. So even if it's just part of your training, but it's to mix things up and to go and do your local 5k or 10k um, or it could be a local 10 mile time trial. It's that it may not be your A race. But it's it's actually learning how to get the best out of yourself on that given day, and even if you're not tapered for it, it's still a good exercise because well, on this given day I, I feel like this, but ultimately I'm going to try and get the best out of myself because it's going to be different to a, a training session because um, and it's also I see a lot of athletes they almost some some athletes almost dread racing, which I find a little bit it's a shame really because ultimately you know obviously athletes get different periods of nervousness um and it's about how you control that and and I, i suppose i have this kind of way of thinking it's about trying to be excitedly 
uh, nervous um, and almost just kind of um, just twitching to go, looking forward to being on that start line. And 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 I think for me, it's about trusting the work you've done. You, most athletes will know it's not about just crossing your fingers and, and hoping on the start line. It should be about, well, I've done this work. Uh, so I trust the work that I've done. And then it's about, well, time to me now. It's down to about just, just executing the race. And that's, um, you know, it's easier said than done for, for, for other, for most, for, for, for some. But it's, um, but ultimately I'm a big believer in that. Um, cause athletes know <laughs> if you stand on the start line and you haven't done the work or you missed six weeks of prep, well, obviously you're going to have to just either just do it just to finish or, 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 or reevaluate your objections or, or, or overall objectives of the race. So, um, yeah, I think for me, it's just don't be afraid to put yourself on a start line. Um, and, and the more you do it, um, it doesn't become such a big deal. Yeah, it, it, that I agree with. That's that's one of the big things with with racing. It becomes less of a deal the more you do it. What do you think is uh, other than that the the biggest sort of potential area for uh, learning and uh, decreasing the the risk of like not performing to your ability in races? Is it more of a psychological side, like learning how to push yourself really deep uh, time after time? That's one that I see quite a lot. That that helps with racing more and more. You learn to do that better. But it could also be other things like pacing or tactics, all all sorts of things. Really, what yeah. would you say are the are the biggest the biggest benefits if you specify what what the biggest benefits might be? Yeah, well, I think you touch on that in terms of the, the psychological aspect, um, being able to just how 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 deep how deep you can dig in a race, and we, most people can always go a little bit harder um, or just push on and. Um, uh, it's almost like the default sometimes just to 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 just to yeah yeah you can always push a little bit harder so that's something you learn i think um it's not always a nice feeling but um but ultimately it comes down to the individual and how much they're willing to to put themselves on on the line and hurt i think other things that can um affect i suppose the outcomes especially in long course racing is is you know dialing in your nutrition strategy and, and that's a big thing that's um that that's that i've seen over the years that people have that really you know been been in good, in good shape but ultimately um whether they tried something different or um they just haven't yeah used that strategy in training so that's that's important um especially the longer the races go on um yeah i think that's what they're they're, they're key things um Right, great. Uh, another topic: uh, group training or training in a daily training environment uh, on the elite side uh, with with a squad like uh, like you have there in Bath and and in previous positions in Sterling and so on. Uh, what what are your thoughts around them? What what's what are the pros and cons of training with others in that kind of env- environment? And what does the coach have to do to to manage? that environment to make sure that it becomes an overall really positive experience and and you minimize the potential pitfalls yeah i think um when a group environment works well like it's a great place to to be in um and it almost manages itself um i think i suppose you as a coaches uh, and w- with the athletes you you, you set that kind of ethos the values that you want in the group um, and the athletes live by those values um, and almost police themselves um, if it becomes a group that's really trusting. Um, uh, and it can be, when it's done well, it can be really, really positive. And, um, uh, and when it's not done so well, then, then yeah, you have, you, you have more issues and it becomes quite, it can be quite fragmented. Um, but ultimately it comes down to communication and, um, and, and athletes respecting each other and wanting you know, they're ideally they're all on the similar path, um, similar goals. Um, obviously, within groups, you're going to have a natural hierarchy. Um, in terms of, there's always going to be the, the the better athlete or the best athlete in the group, uh, or one or two. Um, and it's about how how they all work each other, work off each other, and respect each other, and uh, and get the most out of each other. Um, and so, yeah, I think it can be really, really powerful. It's the other side of the group training aspect is obviously within our sport, athletes will 
they will naturally train by themselves for maybe their easy runs or easy rides. It's that, and it's understanding what 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 each athlete needs. Because um, not every athlete will be a social butterfly, and they they can't really cope with doing everything with everyone. But I think the key sessions really benefit from from that group environment. And and it could well be you turn up and and most likely there'll be there could be three or four different sessions. But athletes start and finish the sessions together, so it feels like a group. Um, but they might be doing, you know, two might be doing one session together. The other two might be doing something different, but it's still got that group feel. Um, so I think it's managing managing that. Um, I think, uh, and then, as I said, it comes back down to athletes being able to, uh, you know, use each other to push each other, but also know when to, not today's, I've done enough. Uh, I don't need, just because, <laughs> just because my mate is doing another two reps doesn't mean I have to do them. Um but um, but no, I think uh, you know when when you're in a great environment like that, it, it really does massively lift people, um, and it makes you feel like you're part of part of something. Um, and I've seen it firsthand that you know if, if an athlete you've been training with all of a sudden makes a step up in training or racing, and you see that that gives you a natural boost as well because it's like well I'm I'm doing the same as as him or her and. And it's not naturally going to, it's not always going to transpire into you becoming um, suddenly, uh, you know, making huge strides, but it's, it should give you that natural boost and confidence and well, we're doing the right sort of stuff. Um, and, and you're also, a lot of athletes will, will live together as well, um, who train together. So it's, it's, you know, it's like a big kind of, kind of family really. So yeah, really good when it's done well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when it's done well what are the potential pitfalls then if it if it doesn't go well or if it's not done well uh, i think when potentially yeah it's difficult because obviously different different scenarios that could happen whether athletes um yeah i think athletes as athletes get older they might naturally start to have different viewpoints or opinions so maybe they start to uh, maybe not quite agree with maybe what the, what the coaches set um, or they feel like they might start getting a bit unsettled and they maybe start looking elsewhere uh, and other athletes might see that and it just suddenly becomes um, yeah quite unsettling um, and, and it's, it can quickly unravel um, so it's about again it comes back down to that um, culture um, but also naturally athletes will move on as well you know very you know obviously athletes tend to well, they might stay in one place for you know, not, you know, three, four, five years, but naturally, athletes, some athletes will move on. So it's it's that natural cycle of, of who then comes back in and and, um, and keeps that group going. Um, you know, there's other things that can that can make groups fracture, and, and it's ultimately just down to relationships, isn't it? And, and we're human beings, and sometimes people fall out, and it can be over silly things. Um, but ultimately, it's um, it's how how I suppose as the coaches and, and the support staff manage that environment the best 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 that, that, that they can. Um, not always easy, but um, but I think it just comes down to um, as I said, um, um, having eyes and ears on the ground and knowing kind of when things are maybe not quite right, and it's it's trying to deal with those things as quick as possible and not just let it uh, fester because then that can make it worse. Mm, yeah what about for age groupers uh, that uh, have a very different uh, situation and co- life context compared to young developing athletes and and full-time uh, elite athletes can what's your recommendations for them in terms of maybe benefiting from some of the uh, the positive effects of training with others that that you mentioned is this something that you discuss with with the age groupers that you coach and advise them on yeah, I think it comes down to individual preference uh, and what they've got available. So each athlete might be part of, they might be part of a, a training club or a, a triathlon club, and it's about what fits into their daily lives. So if they can, um, so I've got athletes, you know, there are no athletes who, who train um, mostly by themselves because that's what fits their lifestyle best. They might still be part of a club and they've got that option potentially if it does fit, then great. Other athletes really thrive off that group environment. They really need it because that's the kind of person they are. They they get the most out of training with others. Uh, and I know, um, yeah, I know I know many like that. So 
it's 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 again it comes it comes back down to what what people want uh, and will get the best out of rather than saying well you must do that because that's that's the right way there isn't really a right way uh, and i suppose i'd go back as well to the previous point of group training versus individual training in a, in a, in a, in a training center and my philosophy or my my ideas is actually and we've had discussions with this in the past it's like is it more beneficial to say you've got a group session that's maybe not quite bespoke to that individual athlete um, but they might get more out of it because they're pushing each other if, out of that session. Whereas if they just did their own very, very specific session on their own, what is better? Is it? Um, so I give an example. Years ago, we, we put some of our athletes to a local running club and we had no, um, say, one, one, one session per week. And it was a really good local running club. And it would push our athletes because um, they were better runners than, than our athletes. Um, but we had, as coaches, we had no real, um, we didn't know what the set was going to be. But my idea was, well, for a little while, it's quite good to do that because even though the session won't be so, it's not going to be outrageously, it's not going to be so stupid that it's, it's going to be detrimental to the athlete. But it's, um, I think it would have more benefit to the athlete because they're training with faster athletes, different athletes, and it'll push them on in, a, in, in that small window. Uh, maybe not for the whole year, um, so that's that's my thoughts. Other coaches would say, no, no, no. That's I need to. The athlete needs to do the exact session that's prescribed for for that for their benefits, and and that's absolutely fine as well. So it just uh, comes down to what your thought process is and what you want out of it at the end of the day. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. I've had uh, athletes in the same situation where I we've just agreed that you go to this weekly run session because we don't know exactly what the session is going to be but we know it's going to be pretty good and you're going to be pushed by fast runners and and i think in especially with with age groupers with swimming is the perfect example of where this might be really really applicable to for one thing it, it's not only that it gets you to swim perhaps harder than you would otherwise which in swimming i think is mm-hmm. quite often a, a problem that many people don't push themselves quite hard enough enough but also it just gets athletes to swim more than they would otherwise because uh, athletes tend to get quite often get bored even by a 2500 meter set but then you go to a swim squad and it's 4500 and it just flies by and also enjoy it as well <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah Mm. um then uh, moving on to another topic uh you mentioned darren smith earlier and and i wanted to ask you uh, about your generally speaking your biggest coaching influences uh, who have they been and what have you taken from from them yeah i think for me obviously i mentioned darren is probably my first was my first uh, proper triathlon coach um and he has probably been the biggest influence on my career uh, he was the one that said to me before I started coaching, or I think you could make a, a decent coach. So that always stuck with me way back. Um, and, and Darren, yeah, I think he came to, to Scotland and, and almost revolutionised um, the sport in, in Scotland at the time, in the early two, what, 2000 onwards, kind of opened the eyes of the, the, the current athletes back then of what real performance was, what performance environment looked like um i think at, he was dealing with at the time athletes that thought they were good um you know there were national champions in scotland but really they were just big fish in a small pond um and he opened eyes to what you know a real performance environment looked like i think he always I remember one of the times he um would, would question you know we might go away or not before my time the older athletes in the system might go away to to Majorca for a week in, in March or April um, uh, and stay in a, in a decent hotel. And, and he would just look at that and just say, I, I, what, I don't see the point in that. What's the point in going away for one week and staying in a nice hotel? That's not really teaching you anything. And, you know, he, his idea was you go away and you do a six to eight week camp, you know, a proper camp, um, and you, you live sparsely. You, um, you don't stay in fancy accommodation. Um, and you just learn the ropes of, of the sport and uh, and also just going in, you know, if, if it was a camp in France for, for, for the summer, it would be very much go and, and go and do the local races or try and earn a living as well and just learn your craft. So, he, you know, he opened our eyes to that and, and 
obviously he came from Australia where he'd been part of the, the system there. He'd, you know, he'd been coaching, he'd coached Olympians. Um, so, so to us, he was pretty inspirational. Um, and he, he had a, an attention to detail that I'd never come across just, you know, almost obsession, whether it's technical in the water, um, you know, he made us find, uh, you know, if we had an injury, he would, uh, he would make us read up and find out what the injury was. Uh, for example, just you instill that learning in the athlete, um, and rather than it just being, oh, just just go to a physio and just be told, or um, and he would test us, you and he would test the practitioners. I remember a story of he was very good at. We didn't have a lot of resource in Scotland, but he was very good at finding ways around the system. Or if we if we wanted a weekly massage, he would find a, he he'd ha- he would find a local guy, but he wouldn't he would test say it was a, a massage therapist he would test that person on himself first to almost test the guy um and I, you know it's just it's, it's kind of things that it's just it, it sounds yeah it's, it's just off it's kind of just um yeah off off the wall a little bit but um he's still someone that i keep in touch with and and obviously he went on to do fantastic things after his time in scotland um uh, not not the most easy person to be around all the time but that's Many of the best people in the world are, 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 are can be difficult and, and different, and he's still someone that, um, yeah, has a presence in a room. If I was, you know, if if I was to meet him, and um, certainly, um, yeah, I suppose it's just a, a respect there of what he's done um, and admiration, um, and that continual wanting to learn and be the best that you can be. Um, so yeah, a huge, huge inspiration on on me and an influence. Um, if you would pick a couple of things that you have taken from him and applied to your coaching, what would it be? Um, he was always very good at um, videoing. So that was one of my very first um, memories of Darren was be the the constant videoing. So constant feed in terms of technical. So that's something I brought in. You know, whether it's underwater, you know, before the age of GoPros, we had these big, massive camcorders with the big casings so we could put them under the water. I took that into my first early days of coaching and that feedback to athletes. Um, I suppose the, the simplicity of just, um, uh, you know, taking, you know, tr- yeah, and, you know, going on camps and, and not, and go and stay in self catered, teach the kids how to, to, to cook and, and to, to feed, to learn for themselves not just be given it on on a plate um there's other stories of um he was always a stickler for um going away on camp uh, and athlete if athletes took too much luggage he, he would just um he wouldn't be very happy so he's very minimalistic so you know he didn't like the flash kits there uh, you know athletes go and get the, the the fancy bikes or whatever he just wanted things simple and there was a story we turned up to the airport once at a camp and one of the athletes turned up and Darren just looked at him and said, you're not taking that luggage. That's too much. So basically in the airport made him unpack and basically just, you know, it's things that probably doesn't happen very often anymore. Um, but it's things like that that kind of, yeah. And just values of, of just, um, um, the, doing, doing the details. Well, um, uh, a, a few things that I would, wouldn't take away as well but that's obviously that's 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 fine as well that's me learning from my own my own way as well yep um um but yeah but no he was uh yeah his his results speak for themselves yeah yeah are there any other coaching influences that you want to mention Mm. yeah i think um as i said i mentioned uh, chris volley who was my kind of head coach at the time when i was assistant coach in scotland and he really we, we got on really well and we had the same, I suppose, philosophies of um, being outdoors and, and he had a great sense of adventure and, and with the group of kids we had at the time, uh, uh, yeah, just his ability to think up um, pretty cool things to do and and I would just run with it because, well, there were cool ideas and and, um, and just, again, creating memories and, and, uh, and training as play. So I think it worked really well at the time. Uh, for that group of, for, for individuals and it's it's quite um you know people speak about it you know still to this day so chris um yeah and, and a great communicator to, to express um you know speeches or um pre 
pre-talks, you know, pre, um, you know, before sessions, um, you know, how, how the session's going to go down. And so that was always something that he, I could learn from. Um, and then, um, and there's another guy who's been instrumental in, in, in great British triathlon coaching is a guy called Rick Bellati. Um, and Rick has been predominantly throughout uh, the last 10 years in charge of kind of the, the junior program in, in Great Britain. And, and, and he helped me a lot in the early years of helping develop yeah, the junior athletes I was working with and, and give me the confidence and to, to challenge me and, and create, give me ideas of um, how to, to do things differently. So, and, and the confidence of, um, of what I was doing was, was, was okay. But, um, but he was, a, he's been a big and still is um, a help to me. Um, and I, I, and also back in the early days as well, there's a, a very, 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 probably one of the brightest coaching minds in triathlon probably now in running is Chris Jones, who's, um, I'm not sure if you've come across him, but he was the, one of the early kind of national coaches in Great Britain and, um, been yeah, very, very smart, um, individual. And he, um, yeah, he, he was the, he, he was almost like the, I remember having the first conversation with him around don't train in the gray zone. Don't go in that middle zone. You know, it's you kill, kill the athlete, um, develop the engine, develop the aerobic system. And, and when it's, when it's the right time, you can do that sort of threshold work. But it's, um, but yeah, he, cause at the time he was the Irish coach and I was coaching an Irish lad. So I had that contact with him. Um, so again, just, yeah, you know, people like that just to bounce ideas off and to learn off of, um, and people you really respect. Um, it, it's it's yeah, lucky enough to to be around those sorts of individuals. Yeah, right, perfect. And if you look back to yourself as a coach from let's say ten years ago, uh, and you could tell yourself some some things, I'll give you give yourself some advice. Uh, what what would you tell yourself from from ten years ago? Um. I think for me, it's a good question. Um, I suppose just try not to worry about the things that probably don't really matter. Um, it sounds quite obvious, but uh, you know, certainly myself, I would probably sweat the small stuff or overthink things. Uh, and ultimately, it's about um, yeah, things are probably not as not as um, big an issue as you probably thought they were. Um, so don't overthink things. Um, I think for me as well. I think you, you're not going to get on with everyone um, and that's okay. Um, it's respecting each other um, and ultimately finding the people that, that you trust and, and get the most out of. Um, uh, so I think that's, that's important. And again, not, not overthinking things and, and um, overanalyzing things of, oh, you know, don't quite gel with that individual. Is that because it's me or um, yeah, ultimately find your team that, that you get the most out of. Um so yeah, I suppose that would be the kind of, I suppose, two key things to to reflect back on, uh, but also and and to enjoy the journey as well because a lot of time we get caught up in this, you know, year after year and and race to race and and you maybe not enjoy things. And an example would maybe be that, that for me at the twenty fourteen uh, Commonwealth Games in, in Glasgow, and it was a big thing for us. Um, it, was a, it was a home games in Scotland. Um, we're, you get so caught up maybe in 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 the performance and the delivery and and actually sometimes you just need to take a step back and and actually just take in the surroundings and and um, and, and enjoy that so yeah oh, it's, it's it's easier to say in hindsight but um but yeah enjoy the enjoy the journey mm. yeah those are some great great points and uh, the first one that you mentioned there with not sweating the small things and or thinking things I'm sure that's something that you see in uh, in athletes that you coach that they might do, and and now you can, well, you you can uh, you can guide them about that. But are there any common things that you think athletes uh, overthink, perhaps, or uh, put too much emphasis on, like they they sweat the small things, so to say, yeah. that you would like to caution against? Uh, I think athletes. Um, I think back to examples I've worked with. Um, hopefully, this relates to the question, but it's it's it's. Um, Athletes can be very hard on themselves, uh, and so it's almost trying to, and that's natural for, for high-performing individuals. Um, but ultimately, um, it's not until maybe they stop the sports and actually look back on actually what they did it was actually quite impressive. So it's at the time they don't really give themselves that kind of praise that they might need. Um, 
Uh, and so I think that's I think that's important. And it's hard to, to do at the time because every athlete, you know, again, my experience from high performing athletes is they're, they're almost never never content with with what they're doing. Um, and I suppose that's a mark of of a very good athlete. Um, maybe if you're content with what you're doing, you're not, you know, you're not striving hard enough. Um, so I think that's, um, uh, it, it, you know, quite important and as a, a reflection of, um, um, yeah, and not not worrying about and uh, stressing about if you've missed, um, you know, a couple of days training. Again, I see that a lot, uh, and it's about is what it is and, and athletes they, they forget how quickly they get their sensations back and their fitness back even if they even if they've had to take a week off i'd rather them take the extra couple of days rest and recovery than trying to get back too soon um so that's always something that's um i think yeah it's difficult in the moment because athletes just think all they see is that they're missing training and they see their friends training and and, uh, and doing sessions so that's when you have to have those conversations and, and try and just take a step back um, and, and guide as best you can for the athlete. Um, so yeah, that's quite an interesting one I've found. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. Good advice. And uh, if you could give advice to age group athletes listening to this, uh, let's say your top three pieces of advice for age groupers, what would that be? Uh, yes. I mean, um, I think for me, you might relate to this as well just because there is a session on the plan or or there's a session on the training peaks doesn't mean you have to do it and that might seem a bit kind of well why would, why would it be down there anyway but i think it's, it comes back to those athlete decision making and um sometimes I, i see a lot of athletes can be just they just want to be told what to do and they'll just do it to the to the letter of, of you know, absolutely and that's that's fine but i think it's sometimes Yeah, just because it's just because it's down on a bit of paper or on the computer doesn't mean you have to do it. So obviously, it's things can get in the way, and if you have to miss a session, then it's not the end of the world. Um, and don't try and don't try and put it in your recovery day. I've heard that before as well, and it's just 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 back it off. Um, I think for me, just from my my background, you know, don't be, I suppose, maybe slave is the wrong word, but don't be so addicted to numbers and and thinking that that's the, 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 the end, you know, that's what makes a good session. It's sometimes it's nice to just to, to switch off every so often. So, you know, even if you are with numbers based, that's absolutely fine. Um, but maybe try every so often, actually, I'm just going to run without a watch or go for a bike ride and just, just go for, you know, a couple hours and, and, and see how it makes you feel. Uh, it's not trying to convert you to, to the other side of the fence, but it's just trying different things. Because in the end of the day, it's very, keep them motivated and, and and if you can try a few different things then great um and then obviously it comes back down to consistency but we've, we've mentioned that and everyone knows it um uh yeah and enjoy the journey as we've said so yeah um, so that's why we do it um we don't do it to make ourselves miserable no no those are those are excellent points the, the first one that you mentioned there with just because the session is in the program you doesn't mean you have to do it i think that's a That's a really interesting one, and uh, you could discuss that topic alone for for hours. Because of course, you want athletes that have, um, you know, have the ambition to get things done and are hardworking and and diligent. But at the same time, decision making, as we have discussed, is really important. And and nothing is rigid. Like you need to have the flexibility and and take good decisions when you need to take them. So so finding that balance between just having a little bit of you know great to push through uh, even in some tough situations but also knowing when is the right time to not push through and uh, and when to be flexible and 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 adjust things having and having the autonomy and uh, feeling empowered by your coach as well to to do so uh, that's a a really important part of a coach athlete relationship and uh, but even just the like educating the athlete in in what you as a coach expect and uh, yeah a tricky tr tricky question and, and tricky to find the find the right balance there but uh, but it's important to to try to work towards uh towards that good decision making on on part of the athletes and, and as a coach yeah, help guide right. them uh, guide them towards that yeah yeah no it's not an easy process but it's um yeah yeah just develops over time 
Um, and uh, yeah, that's the, that's the that's the key thing. Yeah. Um, well, uh, before we get into the rapid fire questions, is there anything I should have asked you that I uh, that uh, that you would have liked to have discussed that we didn't discuss? Uh, not really. I think for me, um, uh, for me as an individual, I like to to as a release from maybe from from coaching or work. I, I really enjoy just going out and doing adventures on my bike. Uh, you know, that's the kind of that's the kind of individual I am. Um, I go and uh, I'm quite big into bike packing now. So um, lightweight gear, put all my stuff on my bike, and um, and uh, go and explore the the countryside. So. What what's a nice bike packing tour or a trail run or mountain run or something in Scotland that people should try if they go to Scotland? Yeah, that's a good question, and I did it last year, and I, it was brilliant. Well, there's there's a couple, but the best probably bike packing one, which you can ride the whole way. It's from uh, Glasgow to Inverness, and it's called uh, the Badger Divide. So, um, it's uh, yeah, it's a uh, um, 350k uh, kind of gravel ride um and last <clears throat> last year i did it over two days with my good friend and yeah it's just fantastic great scenery if you get the right weather it's awesome so i recommend that sounds good that's great uh and uh, then the rapid fire questions uh the first one is what's your favorite book blog or resource related to endurance sports yeah this is a good one I- to be honest, things have changed over the years, whether it's different Twitter or, or um, whatever. But I, I quite like uh, right now, I actually quite like the, tw- the Twitter page or handle. It's called La, F- La Flamme Rouge, which is um, really good because it has great content on live bike races, but also good analysis of the bike races and goes into some different training. So, yeah, La, Fra- La Flamme Rouge, I quite enjoy. I, I enjoy... Um, from a running side of things, uh, Steve Magnus's uh, book, uh, his original first book, um, it's the science of running. Science of running, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I enjoy that. It's 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 put across in a, in a simple way, <laughs> um, and uh, I think you can relate and get a lot out of it as a as a coach. Yeah. Then, what's your favorite piece of gear or equipment? Yeah, <laughs> going on from my bike packing. I think for me, it's. Um, my hardtail mountain bike, which which acts as my gravel bike, um, and my recently purchased very lightweight tent, which um, weighs I think seven hundred grams. So oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one one person tent or two person tent? Uh, yeah, very much one person. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and finally, what's a personal habit that's helped you achieve success? I think for me, just being reliable, um, show you know over time. I think that's the, a very key thing for for coaches to show the athletes that you know that you can be um, yeah relied upon to to be there uh, and be consistent. So I think that's that's very important uh, and a, and a good trait to have. Yeah, perfect. And uh, finally, tell the listeners where where can they follow you and uh, keep up with what uh, you're doing, uh, social media, websites, and so on. Yeah, I think, well, I, I'm on Instagram. Um, it's just, I think it's just Blair.Cartmel. And mostly I just post um, very much non, it's my trips and adventures. Um, uh, yeah, I'm on, I think I'm on Twitter as well, at, at, at Blair Cartmel. Um, so again, just, um, yeah, you can follow me on there. Um, and uh, yeah. So. And uh, and your coaching business, uh, New Triathlon, is that still yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's still in the background, um, yeah. and uh, I, I used to I do the odd blogs uh, occasionally, but um, it's on um, yeah, not as consistent as it, as it should be. <laughs> yeah, but that's newtriathlon dot com or yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, we'll we'll link to all of that in the show notes. Uh, so thank you so much, Blair, for uh, taking the time to to come and chat with us uh, this afternoon. It was uh, really great to hear your thoughts on on coaching. So once again, much appreciated. Perfect. No, I uh, appreciate uh, coming on and you, you, got, you, you do great content, so keep it up. Thank you very much. 
I hope you enjoyed that interview with Blair. As always, you can find the show notes for the episode on scientifictriathlon.com, where we'll have links to Blair's website, New Triathlon, and to his Twitter and Instagram profiles. On Thursday, we have another TTS Thursday episode coming out, and next Monday, there will be an interview, and uh, it will probably be Bjorn Kafka from Aerotune, uh, still to be confirmed, but uh, there will be an exciting one about physiology and uh, training and testing uh, if that happens, or if not, it will probably be in a couple of weeks, we're just uh, sorting out the the final details for, and haven't recorded that interview yet, but uh, I'm pretty excited about that, so stay tuned, stay subscribed, and you won't miss a thing if you are looking for coaching services or training plans be sure to check out what we have to offer on scientifictriathlon.com whether you're somebody who is a very advanced very committed athlete or a professional athlete even or somebody more on the beginner or intermediate side of the spectrum who just wants to get the most out of the the time for you have available for training and just get a little bit, bit fitter we have options to help you out and we are confident that we can help you achieve your goals whatever they may be Finally, big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Go and get a free hydration plan and get 15% off your electrolyte order with the promo code DEATTRIATHLONSHOW15. And thank you to Roka that you can find on roka.com. Check out their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear, and prescription glasses and sunglasses. And get 20% off your order with the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving craft long.